All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly talking to you live from the Internet Law Center in Santa Monica, California, the heart of Silicon Beach. And we have another great show for you, so please be seated. And um, today we're going to talk, start the show talking about cybercrime, and particularly we're going to talk about a trend micro study on the Russian underground and um, the, the market that exists for cybercrime. Basically, um, it seems that they discovered a, a Costco or an IKEA version um, for cyber criminals, and it, um, the study is an amazing thing. Um, so um, we're going to be talking about that. And then in the second half hour, we're going to talk about um, we're going to go over terms and conditions, and we have uh, uh, there's a columnist at Digital Trends who um, actually reviews term website terms and conditions, and so all those people who read things anonymously, um, you know, and think wrote things and not thinking that no one would ever read them. Well, now actually, there's a watchdog who's taking a look at some of these terms and conditions and writing up when they're. Um, when they're not they're not good, and so we'll be talking um, in the second half hour with Andrew Couts from Digital Trends, and so uh, we'll be talking about the um, the not so fine fine print. But um, we're going to start off with Rick Ferguson. Rick, are you with us? I'm here. Rick is actually um, joining us from um, Warsaw, Poland, and so um, what time is it there now? Right now it's uh, two minutes past seven. Okay, so it's not too late. We've actually we've gone. Uh, we've had someone um, very early in the morning once from Hawaii. So this is this is our furthest extreme to, to the um, to the east. But um, Rick, I want to thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about what what is it that you do for Trend Micro? Yeah, I'm the director of security research. Um, uh, it's a global position, Trend Micro. So I'm involved with the threat research teams. Uh, we have two distinct teams. One is forward-looking threat research, uh, researching um, basically what's coming next, what can we expect to see on the horizon. Uh, and uh, Trend Labs is our very, very uh, n- uh, numerically big team, uh, you know, writing the the protection for today's threats and what's happening right now. Um, FTR, forward-looking threat research, they're globally distributed, and uh, Trend Labs are mostly concentrated actually in Manila in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Now, you, um, you, you recently had a report called Russian Underground um, 101, and uh, how is it that that report came about, and uh, how, how, how exactly did you, did you uh, do the research to come up with the, the findings? Right, so I mentioned that uh, forward-looking threat research, or FTR, are globally distributed. Um, and even you know within Europe, they're distributed throughout Europe, Middle East, Africa. Obviously, some members of that team are uh, Russian speakers or Russian nationals, uh, and they undertook a research project. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of par for the course to be involved in these underground forums. Um, getting involved in the conversations, finding out what's for sale, reading the articles that criminals themselves post in order to give hints and tips to, to other criminals. Um, so this, is, this report is a, a condensed uh, version of all of the information we gathered from those forums in terms of 
what services are, are available now, how much do they cost, uh, and how does that compare with what's been available historically? So, so is it that, um, is it that the, uh, so the criminals have to be, just like academia, criminals have to be published too? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, I think for me what was really surprising about this, this whole report was um, how mature the underground economy is, how um, everything... Everything is a niche. Everything is a niche service. There's a niche vendor. There's a you know there's a service offering just encryption of files to make them less visible to security software. There's a you know a crime as a service offering where you can have them scan your malicious software and tell you if any security vendors are detecting it or not. Um, there's the spamming services, the botnet services, the carding services, um, VPN services. So every every niche exists and every niche is is catered for. No, um, if you read the report, um, which actually is we have available, um, I'll post a link in the, in the chat room later. But we have available at the, on our blog, um, ilccyberreport.wordpress.com. Um, it almost reads like a catalog of you know, what's available in in the Russian um, underground and you know, with prices and everything. I mean, it's it's astounding. So um, one of the things that jumped out at me was. The number of things you can do for just under five hundred bucks, um, you can have a, a denial of service attack for anywhere from thirty to seventy dollars a day, um, ten dollars per one million emails if you want to send spam. Um, you can do a botnet for two hundred dollars for two thousand bots. Um, I mean, it's hacking a Facebook account one hundred and thirty dollars. It was just amazing this the level of detail and also the the economic the, you know, how it was basically within reach of anybody. You know the the prices. Um, yeah, and I, I, it's, for me, that's something that's really changed over the last few years when it comes to cybercrime. Is that a lot of the traditional barriers to entry for people into that world um, have either been removed altogether or or have been you know extremely lowered. So there is no financial barrier to entry, as you've just pointed out. You know the the cost of getting involved in online crime is extremely low in, in pure dollar terms. Um, and the technical barriers to entry are, are almost non-existent now as well because a lot of the tools and services that, that we're talking about here are designed for people with little to no technical expertise. It's very, you know, it's very easy to get hold of botnet software and set up your own botnet without very much uh, technical ability. But if, if you don't feel up to even that, um, then you can simply rent a botnet from somebody else and have them maintain and manage it for you and even offer you technical support. And all that is still at a very low price. And I'm, I'm assuming the clients are worldwide. Is yeah. that correct? How, yeah. how do people find them? Uh, it's, you know, a lot of it in terms of the, the, the much more visible open stuff, you can simply start Google searching and you'll find the, the non-restricted forums, for example, where the real amateurs uh, and scammers, actually people who don't actually have anything to sell, will be talking about stuff. But spend enough time reading those forums and beginning to make contacts with people. You'll slowly work your way into the more closed forums where actually even entry to those forums needs to be vouched for by uh, somebody who's already a member. And in fact, there are even people um, who can make uh, a considerable amount of money uh, acting as uh, an underground character witness, if you like, so providing those recommendations for people mm. at a price. That's interesting. Cause, yeah, I was looking at all, all the, the prices that were listed, and that's actually an interesting price. And so, what would that cost? 
Uh, I guess it depends on how much confidence the person giving the recommendation has in oh, you, because it. they're not only you know they're not only making a recommendation from, from about you; they're putting their own reputation on the line every time they do that too. Now, what was your reaction to the findings of the report? Um, like I said, I think the initial shock was was how mature this this whole economy is, and how you know it's really developed into niches being served by individual vendors offering very specific. Um, services, but the other thing that uh, jumps out at you when you know if if you have a background of looking at this stuff is the fact that the the price movement is downward, so things are getting cheaper over time. Um, so, for example, you know the prices for for denial of service in the document uh, one year ago they were ten twenty dollars higher than they are now, and I think some of that's probably down to technology. Um, you know, legitimate businesses are finding that as technology advances, they can do more things faster for less money. Um, and there's no reason why that kind of argument doesn't apply to the criminal world as well. Right. It's the same market forces. It's just a different motivation and that exactly. drives them. And um, is there any, you know, basically you see in, in all types of trades and you, you have economic clusters, um, people in a certain area have that have certain specialties. You know, whether it's the Detroit and auto, Silicon Valley, um, you know, Houston and oil. And so, is is this area? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is probably more centered towards Moscow. Is this becoming a, an economic cluster for cybercrime? There, yeah, there are certainly three major global when it comes to cybercrime, and they and they each have uh, their differences and specialities. Um, Russia and what is now Commonwealth of Independent States, former Soviet Union countries, um, not Eastern Bloc, but more specifically former Soviet Union countries. Um, that seems to be uh, where cybercrime really matured and grew up. Um, a lot of the, the tools that have become almost de facto standards like SpyEye and use, uh, banking malware stuff comes out of that. Um, a lot of it is... Um, Exploits discovered through their own research, code uh, written uh, through their own efforts, um, and it's focused very much on the financial aspect of things. Uh, another concentration is China, and I know the finger is being pointed at China a lot right now for more industrial espionage or maybe even nation-state-sponsored espionage activities when it comes to targeted attacks on businesses, property, um, those kind of things. That's definitely coming out of China, but what we also see a lot... Uh, in China is attacks uh, based on gaming platforms, uh, based on the theft of digital items rather than physical items because they can have mm -hmm. considerable too. Um, both the territories are innovating when it comes to uh, attacks and malware for mobile devices. So we see a lot of that, specifically Android in both China and Russia. Uh, and the third concentration uh, is really a more historical one, but still worthy of mention, uh, is actually Brazil. And Brazil is kind of the spiritual home of banking malware. It was one of the first places to adopt online banking and consequently one of the places where banking grew out from. You say it's an interesting term, a spiritual home for malware. How, how, did, how did that come about? That's, I think that's more of a Ferguson turn of phrase than anything else. Uh, <laughs> the place, you know, where it, it's where banking malware um, really was first developed on any great scale. And a lot of the tools that came out from that time are ones that have since been developed on and innovated on and to a certain extent are still in use now. 
So if you're someone looking to engage these services, not that we, we endorse that, but I mean, you're likely going to look in one of those three places, it, it sounds. Um, you're going to look in forums, certainly if you're looking for the kind of stuff that's in this document when it comes yes. to uh, you know, malware, exploits, uh, cryptos, flooding, denial of service, whatever it may be, uh, that you're going to be looking at very specific forums and they are clustered in this area linguistically. Some of them do have English language parts of the forum as well. Um, but we'll always, for, for those kinds of services, you'll always find a large Russian-speaking component for sure. Okay. Now, in in terms of the report, I mean, at one level, it, it almost reads like a catalog. And did 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 you get any criticism for actually you know, more or less um, removing the curtain and then showing what was actually going on? Because it, not only is it troubling and makes us want to you know take action to protect ourselves, but you know it could be an invitation for people to use that use the the catalog aspect of your report as a way to um, get better access to cyber criminals that's a it's an interesting argument it's one that I think has a lot of um, parallels in many other walks of life um, you sure. know. Like, how would you approach uh, somebody who uh, put together a comparison of different weapons manufacturers and are they facilitating murder? Um, you know, there's there's a there's a whole lot of <laughs> true, yes. Um, no, but that's the, the it's, that's the tension, really. Um, I think some people would, would actually prefer not to know that information, and so that you know, information is power, but also information conveys responsibility. And so you know, now, now that we have this information, what do we do with it? Well, I think that's really the key reason why this is an important report. If you want to, to prepare or create adequate defenses, then you need to know what kinds of attack you're facing. Because if you believe, for example, that simply by installing an off-the-shelf uh, anti-malware product, um, or maybe even three or four different vendors' anti-malware products, so you get layers of different vendors, that you've got enough defense there. You need to understand that criminals have already worked out ways to overcome the more simplistic and the more baseline of defenses. Um, and that you need to be in a dialogue with security companies because we're, we're the people who have understanding of how these are together, what tools and techniques are used, and that information is key, critical to building a successful defense. You must understand your enemy before you even begin planning your defenses. So in, in understanding the enemy, you know, how is it that, um, for example, in the, the, we talked first about you know, Russia and the, and the former um, in the, um, Commonwealth of Independent States, um, how is it that those, the Russia and the CIA states became the epicenter of cybercrime? It's an economic argument. You know, there, there are a lot of very skilled, very educated people, uh, not so much work. And I think it's really as simple as that. If you can make more money, if you, let's say you're, you're a great coder and you're, you're really good at finding vulnerabilities in other people's software. In vendor X's software, and vendor X says, thanks very much, I'll give you $100 for that. But the underground says, hey, hey, don't tell vendor X, give it to us and we'll give you 1000 yeah, people can do math, <laughs> and, and and pretty simple maths when it comes to my examples. Yes, um, and so that yeah, that I, I I see your point. Now, um, 
you know, there one thing about it though is that um, when I read this, I thought, wow. So there's this huge market, and I assume that basically more or less what you do, what you said, that there's a lot of programmers who just aren't being utilized in a, in a way that's economically rewarding for them. And, of course, um, we're talking about a nation that has a huge nuclear um, arsenal. And I thought to myself, what is happening to those people? I mean, if this is what's available for you know, on the computer level, and uh, and that this is an area where there's still a lot of commerce. What about for the um, the nuclear technicians for which there isn't much commerce, and they, and they they have more incentive now to to go to the black market. So, any question? I think you know the the best place you could go look for answers to to that kind of question is. Um, what is happening with proliferation of nuclear technology today and which countries are of concern. And I think right. there are some strong conclusions from that. I mean, I, I, just reading this, I just thought, my God, I can only imagine what, what the type of uh, access and, and trading going on in, in nuclear proliferation issues that, you know, from those states. Now, how have the... Um, how what is the the Russian government approach and and to to a certain extent also the uh, the, um, the Commonwealth of Independent States? You know, what is um, what are their approach to 